Hi, and welcome to another episode of Other Record Labels. This is Scott. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. I want to tell you something cool. This um, right now is our fifth episode, and um, I've been obsessing over the the download numbers for (laughs) the past uh, month and a half that we've been doing this. And it's been really exciting to see every episode, and we do episodes every two weeks, to see every episode getting bigger than the previous episode. And so each time we release a new one, um, more people check it out that day than than the previous episode. And that's really encouraging and it's really exciting. And I really hope to see that um, continue. So if, you're, if you've been enjoying the podcast um, or if you think it's something that your um, colleagues or friends would enjoy, um, please uh, tweet about it um, or, or share it. Um, with your community, it would really help. Um, you know, I, I've said before, it's such a such a small uh, group of people who would um, find the, a conversation with record labels interesting, and uh, so so please help us find those people. Um, when I first started um, searching the internet for labels and thinking about labels that I could uh, contact, um, there were some labels that um, were pretty high up there in my mind who I've who I've known of and who I've bought records from and um, I've had the opportunity to talk to some of those some of those great labels and today is a is one of the first labels to get back to me and one of those labels where I thought holy smokes I never thought they would return my my email and uh, the label today is yep rock records they're out of North Carolina you've probably heard of them they have artists like Josh Ruse uh, Nick Lowe, who I got to see live in Toronto recently, um, Grant Lee Phillips, uh, Sloan. Anyway, huge label, really, really great label. And um, Billy Maupin is here to to talk with us today. How's it going, Billy? Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Um, I got to ask you, when I was going through your artist list, I mean, you know, we're I'm, I'm calling you from from here in, in Canada. I'm in Ontario near Toronto. Is there like a Canadian connection with your label? Because, I mean, you have the Sadies, Born Ruffians, you've had Ron Sexsmith, Sloan. Like, what's going on? You're stealing our guys. <laughs> yeah, we've, uh, we've worked with a lot of uh, Canadian artists over um, the years. I think we've just been very fortunate to um, develop a, a reputation uh, in the industry through a couple of artists that um, built up a level of trust so that when um, you know some Canadian artists are talking about releasing in the US and the rest of the world that um, you know they, they think of us within um, that conversation uh, I think the Sadies are one of the the longest standing um, Canadian artists that we work with. Uh, we've probably done eight or nine records mm. with them over the last um, 10 plus years. I mean, well before um, I was with the company. So, you know, they tour extensively and, you know, kinda, yeah. uh, um, have been great, great partners. So I think they, they could be one thing that I could point to that really um, kind of established our reputation in Canada um, another would be uh, Sloan, right? Working on a, a a new record for this year. Yeah, I saw that. Similar, you know, we've had. Um, I think this will be the fifth or sixth project we've done with them, and you know, have really um, been fortunate uh, in in as they tour and and tour with other artists and talk about in the press that. You know they they've been um, good good advocates for us, um, and and so I think those two I, w- I would point to to right away. Yeah, well, but, and they're both. I mean, especially Sloan, they're kind of national treasures here. So it's uh, they're good names. They're great names. Um, I tell me about. Um, I want. Could you tell me a little bit about Yep Rock and and your title? And I know you're the general manager. Uh, a little bit about your responsibilities and how you kind of came to 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 work at Yep Rock. Yeah, so two two questions that you asked there. A little bit about Yep Rock. Um, it was started in nineteen seven. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> we started. Uh, two questions there. Um, you're asking about how Yep Rock got started. Yeah, yeah. You guys just had your twentieth anniversary recently. Is that right? 
That's right. Um, yep Rock was started in 1997 by uh, Glenn Dicker and Tor Hansen, so in business for a little over 20 years. Um, I actually came on board in 2010, okay. um, but I had known the guys since um, back when they started um, the label. I was working for an artist management company actually right when they started out. So I've known them um, for the whole time. Um, but I started with the company uh, in, as general manager in 2010. Basically, my job is kind of like the the coach of the team, if you will. Um, I do a lot of organizing, a lot of planning, um, and a lot on the sales and marketing side, sort of making sure we're on budget and we're, you know, kind of hitting the goals that right. we that we want to we want to um, make. Sort of some of the um, you know, boring business side of things, but <laughs> then I also get to contribute a lot on the on the creative side. So things like Yeprock's 20th anniversary, um, you know, I help uh, kind of plan all of that, which included you know over 20 artists performing over um, a couple of days and people coming from all over the world to kind of help us celebrate. So I like to say I get to do a little bit of of, of or use both sides of my brain, um, right? More creative, but also the more you know, business minded. Um, so it, it's really uh, stimulating in that way. Oh, that's great. What, I mean, you guys are, sorry, um, I didn't ask you at the beginning. You're from, you guys are out of North Carolina. Is that right? That's right. We're based in Hillsboro, North Carolina, which is just uh, really close to Chapel Hill, Raleigh, and Durham, kind of the, the three cool. big cities in the area called the Triangle in North Carolina. Um, we're about an hour flight from New York, about an hour flight from Nashville, um, and the company really started um, kind of in a more regional way, um, exposing um, the music of uh, the area that the label was started in. So oh, okay. a lot of the um, kind of, you know, alt country or honky tonk music that was going on in North Carolina in the late 90s, um, some of the great pop stuff uh, like the Mayflies USA. Um, those were the first things that, you know, the label kind of um, put out and then we branched out nationally and then internationally um, in, in the years that followed. Well, it's funny you say that because I actually, I think I read somewhere you guys were involved with the Sam Phillips biography. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yes. So the Sam Phillips one um, was an interesting one. Um, there's an author named Peter Goralnik. He's mm -hmm, written mm -hmm. a couple books on Elvis and a few other people. And he uh, started talking about this book that he was doing about Sam Phillips and, and the Sun Record story. And he really wanted to curate um, a soundtrack of of that went along with the book and 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 some of the tracks not necessarily the obvious ones that have been released before i mean you're talking about elvis and johnny cash and you know roy orbison yeah. and Alyssa Vaughn. so um that was a really fun project to kind of get into um and and work with him to kind of put together this uh package that you know both supported the the book but would also musically you know kind of be a fresh look at the legacy uh, that Sam Phillips had, and and um, it's it's actually you know one of the things that um, I kind of tell to people that don't know a lot about the music business or stuff. You know, you kind of get to the lowest common denominator. I sort of explain, well, we you know packaged and released an Elvis Presley uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, of songs, and you know everybody knows Elvis. So. Yeah, totally. How does that? I I mean, it's really cool too because I mean, when you really boil all of the music from America down. It really kind of, a lot of it goes back to that era. And I actually just started reading that book. It's, and I, I can't believe how good it is. It's, yeah. I can't put it down. It, I thought it would be a lot more historical, but it's, um, it's a great story. Yeah. Pete, Peter's a really great um, writer. And, you know, I think sometimes historical um, books like that can be very dry and very, right. yeah. um, hard to kind of kind of kind of dig into but i think his writing style and kind of the way he approaches it um you know kind of it puts it puts a little bit of life into it a little bit of humor a little bit of um you know elements that that, that make it a really engaging read and and hopefully that was some of the feedback we got for the for the compilation that we did with it as well is that you know people are like well look i've got all of these songs why would i buy it again but it was curated mm -hmm. in such a way and if you read the book it, it sort of 
went hand in hand. So uh, again, that was a really uh, a fun project to be a part of. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times where you're you're hearing him describe a song or a technique in recording, and like I just think I got to open up Apple Music and listen to that. I want to hear that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just absolutely. because it's so it's so descri- it's described so well. Was that complicated from a licensing perspective to put that together? Like, where where do all those rights come from? Um, that's a good question. Um, I could probably do a whole show. Oh, really? <laughs> that one release. The short answer is that a number of the masters were um, controlled by what is Sun Records today. Okay. Uh, their catalog is controlled by a company. So that was relatively straightforward. A few of the other tracks, um, you know, were uh, involved in estates and a couple of the major labels and things like that. Um, it wasn't necessarily hard. It's just a lot of due diligence and right. things like that. Um, because most of the people of that era at this point, you know, they're interested in exploiting their catalog. Yeah. So it's not a question of will they let you do it. It's more like how much and when and for how long and all right. those things. Of, of questions so it was it was definitely um it, it, it was one of the more involved ones that 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 we've done from a licensing standpoint for sure right yeah no that makes sense i yeah i was kind of curious about that i'm 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 stoked to i was checking it out but it, it kind of now that you say it, it makes a good com- companion with reading the book um that's something i want to kind of I want to try to do. Let's let's. Uh, not, no, I'll, yeah. I'll throw another one in there that I just read not too long ago. Not one that we released, but I, I sure had fun um, kind of reading it and listening to the music. Was the Tom Petty um, biography? I, I oh. read that when it originally came out, and and kind of would read a little bit, stop, listen to the song that he was talking about, and and oh, um, cool. you know, back and 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 I did that recently after he. He passed away, right. and it's pretty amazing. You know, you, you almost have to read the book twice, once to read it, and then once to sort of sit and listen to the music that's being, you know, discussed. That's cool. Is that an authorized biography, or was that, like, autobiography? I think it's his autobiography. Oh, okay. Okay, yes. cool. Yeah, I would love to check that out. And that's what I like about this Sam Phillips one, is that it sounds like it comes out of a lot of conversations with Sam himself. Is that, is that, do you know if that's true? I mean, that it is true. Yeah. So uh, the background for that, um, I'd have to pull up my notes. I believe that this process actually started years ago that right. Peter did a number of interviews with him at different times that he was able to draw direct, um, knowledge of certain, um, specific items. And I saw him speak one time. It was, um, uh, Peter that is, and mm-hmm. it, He'd gone on about some detail about the way the microphone was set up or this or that. <laughs> someone stood up and asked the question during the Q&A and said, well, how do you, how do you know that's, you know, what was happening? And, and uh, Peter's response was, Sam told me, you know, <laughs> so it's a very direct, like, hey, I've got the proof yeah. kind of thing. So, I love that. Um, I, I, I would definitely count this as, you know, the authoritative totally. uh, representation. Totally. Um, let's, I want to talk a little bit, I want to talk a lot about Yep Rock and I I really want to get your perspective on a lot of things and, and a lot of this, I mean, the whole idea of this podcast is to ask these questions to, to you and to, to other people that I, I often ask myself and, and, you know, with, um, about my own label and, and it's running a label is I don't have any friends that also run a label. So I don't really have anyone to kind of shoot ideas off of. But I, I've, I've got so many questions, I kind of want to, I, I really want to dive into them. Um, one thing I read, your founder, uh, Glenn Dicker, he said in an article I read, he said, Yep, Rock never adheres to any particular scene or market niche, which I thought was really interesting because I've always thought that carving out a micro niche is a good thing for a label. Uh, what do you think? I, yeah, I mean, there's certainly um, labels that have done that over over the years. Mm-hmm. I think that um, for Yeprock specifically, you know, we're looking for a couple of things. One is typically we just want to work with artists who have something to say, um, right. you know, that have a, a creative fire, that have, um, you know, something going on um, mm. creatively. 
Um, and second to that, you know, we, we want to feel like it moves us in some way, um, whether it's, you know, rock or folk or, you know, songwriter. Um, I think we, we all, you know, work better and harder and, you know, are more excited when, when we actually kind of connect with the music. And then the third thing um, that we try to hold up as kind of an ideal is, you know, do we think we can add value to um, what the artist is doing? And there have mm. been times, and, 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 and Glenn specifically has said this, you know, there are artists that we could release records from, but we don't feel like there's, there's more we can do there. We can't really add value to what they're doing. So I think we're at our best when that kind of partnership with an artist kind of starts at, they put a little bit of trust in us. We can bring something to the table maybe that they don't have at the moment or they need help with. And, and we really go from there. So, um, you know, I think mm. we, we definitely have crossed genres um, and, and we've, we've done a lot of different styles and, and, and different types of artists, but in the end, I think it all kind of makes sense as Jep Rock, um, right. and, and kind of the vision of the, of the founders. I mean, they're both, um, you know, music, um, lovers, right. you know, they are very, very deep into records and artists and all that kind of thing. So I think it's a, it's a good philosophy for us as a label and as, definitely given us a lot of opportunities that maybe we wouldn't have been able to explore if we were just, you know, a heavy metal label or a rap label or, or whatever. Um, right. And I think when you, when you kind of, if, even if you are not a really narrow, narrow niche, you still, you do have a pocket. I think looking at your artists, um, there are a few that are maybe on the, the further end of the spectrum, but really it, a lot of it is that Americana and, Alt country singer songwriter vibe. Yeah, that all. Uh, did you? I mean, going back ten years, I want to ask you something. I may, wouldn't get a chance to ask other labels, but I know a lot of your artists, and a lot of funny enough, a lot of your artists I came to through Pace Magazine back in the kind of you know the early two thousands, like that golden era of Pace Magazine, and and where there was all this new singer songwriters stuff you know josh ritter and kathleen edwards and ryan adams all this stuff was happening was i noticed that there was this kind of bump in folk music you know in the the mid to late 2000s is that something that you guys benefited from benefited from like having you know a lot of these folk artists being now on pop and rock radio yeah i mean i i think specifically you know genres like bluegrass and and folk and um, country to a lesser extent kind of come in and out of favor um, with mm. with the public um, in terms of what gets written about, what gets played on the radio. And the time, the frame you're talking about certainly was a time where it was like a resurgence of um, some of uh, those styles of music. Right. And we definitely um, benefited from that. But I think we try to at least work with artists over the long haul, you know, where we, we imagine, you know, 20 or 30 years where we're going to see that trend go up and down a couple of times. Right. Let's say that's fair. Yeah. If, if, if you're kind of more plugged into that, Hey, it's a great artist. It's a great record. It's a great songwriter, those types of things. You'll, you'll kind of outlast those, those trends that maybe in hindsight, you can, you know, see those spikes, but, but definitely the, the time and the place you're talking about was a very, very fertile for sort of new music and, and Pace did a great job of, and, and still do um, totally. a, a job of, of, of um, you know, kind of bringing some of that to the, to the forefront. Is, I mean, you guys really, you know, um, you, you were probably rewarded during that time because it was something you had always done, but is it tempting to, hop on to trends or how do you, how do you avoid that? Um, that's a good question. How do we avoid that? I don't know that we sort of avoid it as much as we just kind of do our thing. We do the <laughs> yep rock thing yeah. and we let the rest of it kind of sort itself out. Um, I don't know that we ever actively go out looking for anything like that. Um, but, but certainly if we're included in it, you know, we, we make the most of it and we make the most of it on behalf of our artists. But um, I, I think we're kind of, um, 
used to just kind of plowing our own our, our own field, so to speak, um, and and just kind of doing what we do and kind of keeping our head down and being kind of workmanlike and you know a lot of our artists that's the way they are yeah. as well um, and and less concerned about the moment to moment changes in the marketplace. Oh, that's great. The one of the questions I. I was really curious about, and this is something I struggle with a lot. As we're talking about the brand of of Yeprock, how much effort should a label put into building and promoting the brand of the label versus building and promoting the brands of their artists? Um, that's a good question as well. I think it depends on what you um, what you want to achieve as the label. Hmm. Speaking only from Yeprock's perspective we've always kind of imagined that we um, we're supporting what the artist is doing. Right. So we start at promoting them and knowing that them being successful will make Yeprock successful. Mm, good so point. we probably spent a lot less time um, kind of marketing the label as a whole. Um, but over time, what's happened is we definitely, because you mentioned a lot of artists that kind of, you know, touch a lot of the same um, notes, so to speak, have yeah. been able to build up an audience that are Yeprock um, uh, fans um, and, and sort of trust us as curators to bring them right. to music. And one way we've seen that manifest itself is the completest program that we have, which oh, is okay. people that buy every re- record that we release. And that wasn't a cognizant, idea that we were like, hey, we're going to build up the brand enough that we'll be able to do this. But it was more a byproduct coming out of our 15th anniversary where people trusted us enough that we could kind of make that, you know, guarantee, like you're going to be happy with our year's worth of of releases. Um, So I think, you know, I could see the standpoint, though, from a label that maybe they want to put the label first. And Mm. that's that's what people are kind of buying into and, and the artist are are secondary, but, but for Yeprock, definitely, you know, we, we put the artist out there first and spend most of our time and energy around the marketing of them. Um, I think Glenn famously said that, you know, if, if you imagined a, a, a big truck kind of driving with the artist in the front, we would be in the camper in the back being pulled along. So, <laughs> uh, we, we've definitely, uh, use that image, you know, a couple of times to, to kind of explain what we do. Well, that's cool because I would kind of visualize it the other way around, you know, and I, I think that's, that's probably good practice. I mean, it's a good thought and, and it, and it can be just as rewarding as the other way around. I mean, to sit like what you said is that when the artists are successful and multiple artists are successful, then that, that turns around to you. And that's something that um, you guys can benefit from. Yeah. That's a good thought. Um, you know, I was thinking about, I want to talk a little bit about artists and, and how you kind of come across artists. I've, one of the things I have to remind myself when I'm talking to new artists or, or new potential signings is I often forget that the term record label kind of used to hold negative connotations. It's changing a little bit now with, with indie labels, but you know, anyone familiar of the record labels you'd see in movies or on TV, or you would hear about, you know, from the eighties and seventies and eighties and nineties, taking advantage of artists. How do you, um, how do you start a dialogue with an artist when there is that kind of trust deficit, you know? Uh, Yeah. I mean, certainly in popular medium, the the record label was always portrayed as the bad guy. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, and there's probably some very good reasons um, for that, um, you know, that you can go back and point to mm. in history. I think it's it's like anything else. You know, you want to start the relationship in a way that's mutually beneficial. Um, and I think you want to be transparent about what you can do and what you can't do. Um, I think everybody needs to know kind of up front what the parameters of your relationship is. Um, both financial, but also, you know, timing and, and, you know, creative elements that go into it. I think if you can do that, you'll, you'll build up trust over time with artists and managers and lawyers and people who know that, you know, you're, you're kind of above board and and you're willing to, um, you know, work for the, for the common good, so to speak. Mm. 
Um, we are a business, you know, we're not, we're not a nonprofit. Um, so we, we definitely have to keep those things in mind, but most artists are businesses too, you know, right. um, and are approaching it from a, you know, how do we, how do we make a living at this? How do I, how do I, you know, get filled, fulfilled creatively, but also financially. So, um, I, I think that those first stages are, are important, you know, just in the kind of sketching all of that out and, 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 you know, being, um, focusing on the relationship first and then, you know, being transparent about all the, all the particulars that, um, you know, go, go into that, that relationship. Well, I like what you said at the very beginning too. You said that there's been times where you don't feel like you guys have anything to offer necessarily that the the artist and that's why sometimes you maybe won't work with someone is that you can't bring anything new to the table. I thought that's a really kind of humble approach. Yeah. Well, it's 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 definitely you, you got to take that into consideration because as a small company, we only have a finite amount of time and resources and you know so we've got to look at the return that goes into sometimes these relationships because again we're talking hopefully in most cases years that we're going to be working with um you know some totally. people there are a few artists that we've been working with close to 20 years so right. i think you can see that approach is is kind of paid off well and it's good that you do that because you know on on one hand, there's the there's the negative connotation of record labels and pop culture, but on the other hand, on the opposite side of the coin, there's some bands who have really crazy expectations of record labels. They really expect that once they get a deal, that you know they can quit their coffee shop jobs and all of a sudden be millionaires and be touring with whoever they want. You know, that's, so it's kind of it's very true. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, I this kind of leads into something that I've always. I'm striving for all the time that business relationships in general are um, can can kind of lead lead to a lead to conflict. You know, it's just naturally even with my best friends who are on my label, I, I still have the, it's very awkward to talk about money. How do you avoid conflict with artists? Uh, how do we avoid conflict? I don't know that we avoid conflict. I think we probably approach it um when it comes up and it will come up right um with an open mind and a spirit of cooperation and um sort of uh you know learning to compromise hmm. um and 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 making sure that everybody is coming at it from a place of well just because this happens doesn't mean that you win and i lose kind of thing i mean it, it sounds maybe um, cliche, but the sort of win-win scenario. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's important in all of this is it, it, it you know, th things are going to come up, things are going to be of a nature that, um, maybe you didn't expect, or maybe the artist didn't ex expect, but you can handle your business in a way that, um, kind of gets you through that without having to avoid it. Um, I, I know, just and I'm sure you didn't intend it that way, but the word avoid kind of to me puts a connotation of like you're not going to deal with something. That's a good and, point. You know, that's fair. Yeah. And and so I always say, you know, don't. It, it's not avoiding so much as the way you approach resolving mm -hmm. whatever. The, Resolve. The issue. That's a better word. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a great point. Let's talk about the artists themselves. When you're looking for a new artist or an, an artist is coming to you, um, thinking about the different aspects of uh, um, attributes of an artist, what would you say is important? I mean, is it, is it chemistry with, with you and, and the label? Is it, is it you know, songwriting? Is it how big their existing fan base is? Or, or, or is it some unknown X factor? I think all of those go into every discussion that we have. I mean, it always starts with the music. Um, you know, if we're not feeling the music, it doesn't matter how big a potential our, <laughs> yeah. you know, audiences yep. and you know, that, that can be, um, that, that can be tough. Um, so for us, it really, it really starts with the music. Um, some of the other things that we're interested to know is just like you said, how, how big is your existing audience? Mm -hmm. You know, who, who are they? How do you talk to them? How do you engage with them? Um, you know, are they physical buyers? Are they digital buyers? Those types of things. 
We're also usually interested in what other team members might be a part of whatever situation is being proposed. These can be agents or managers or friends, those types of things. You know, who else is going to be um, kind of in the trenches, um, you know, making it happen? That that definitely can play a role. Well, that's cool. Um, you know, we, we've had artists before that we totally believe in, and I'm sure we'll do this again, but maybe don't have a manager or an agent or a publisher or whatever. Um, and, and it, it's a missing component, you mm-hmm. know, um, because there's just so much to do all the time that, um, it, it can be really beneficial to have other people who have, um, you know, the best interest of the artist in, 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 in mind. So, um, that's something that we look, look for, I would say, um, you know, relationship with us or if they vibe with us, those kind of things, that can be important. It's not a deal breaker. Sure. But I know from, um, you know, I manage 10 people and it's certainly easier to motivate them to go a little extra when they really like the artist and they really connect with them and they're passionate about what they do. Um, you know, a few cases maybe where we've worked with artists who are, um, maybe don't gel with us or, or those types of things. It, it, it's harder to, to get people excited about it, you know. And, and I'll say it, a lot of times, this may not hold true in every case. I'm sure somebody that works with me will send me a, an example. But a lot of times, if we don't gel with them, um, they probably don't gel with radio either mm. or press or other people, you know. It, <laughs> yeah. It's something it's something about them or, you know, the way they go about things is, is, is different and, and that's okay, you know, but yeah. we, we definitely take that into um, consideration, but I, but I think music, you know, first and foremost, and, and kind of what we, what we think the audience is and where we think we can, we can grow it to. That's cool. Um, where do you find these bands? I mean, what's the, is it different for every band or, or how does it happen? Yeah, it's, it's different for every um, artist, you know, kind of going back to your historical things. I think everybody that doesn't deal in the music business thinks that you're out at smoky clubs at three yeah. o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know, listening to a band you've never heard and, you know, being blown away. And um, I think that's maybe in this day and age, more of a, a, a myth than, than anything else. Um, yeah. When it, I started in the business, they were still you know, A&R people and had expense budgets and were flying all over the people to see musicians. And right. that's over the last 20 years. And it kind of coincides with the growth of, 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 of Yep Rock is that's kind of gone um, by the wayside mm. a lot. I mean, I think in some of the hip hop and electronic and some of those, there, there's still some of that for us. It's a, it starts a lot with recommendations from trusted sources. Right. Um, you know, we might get a call from a radio station who gives you, you know, a new record or gives you, you know, a tip on an artist. Um, a lawyer who we've worked with on a past deal might say, hey, you should check this out. I think they would be a good fit. Or, you know, we've even had musicians who we work with come to us and say, hey, I played on this session with so-and-so. You should really um, uh, check them out, um, those types of things. So it's a lot more um, recommendations and, and, um, things coming to us. Again, I think being in business for 20 years, we've kind of earned the spot where a lot more things get brought to us than we can possibly do, which is a great position to, to be in. But, but it certainly makes it easier when, you know, it's that manager or agent or somebody you've worked with that you trust their instincts, bringing it to you because you might spend a little more time with it or pay, pay a little closer attention because you know, well, look, they 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 kind of know what's going on in in the marketplace. Mm. It, it it reminds me of the Sam Phillips book again. I was just thinking about how crazy it must have been for Sam. He just brings in a janitor or a taxi driver. He was talking to to record mm-hmm. a record. You know, th- those days are gone. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely different in that way. Uh, do you do you accept demos? Do you get demos? We do. Um, I mean, they're not as many um, as as we did before. Yeah. Uh, I think I can't think of one single case where an unsolicited item came in that we we ended up working with. Yeah, um, I, was, I was curious. I was going to ask. But. Yeah, um, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Sure. I'm just saying I think the likelihood is 
you know, the output of music is so radically different than it used to be. Mm. Um, I, I use the story when I started in the business, I could tell you every release that was coming out on the Tuesday release day, the right. label it was on, the people that worked at the label, that kind of thing. It was kind of a manageable number, right? There was a barrier to entry. Yeah. Now with the way digital recording's gone and people can record in their home or mm. their you know, car or wherever they're doing it on their mobile phone and edit it and upload it, that there's really not that barrier to entry. So it's difficult at times to wade through all of that. I mean, you're talking thousands and thousands of releases coming out oh, totally. um, in, in a year. So when you magnify that by all the things that don't come out that are, are kind of buying for your time, I think it's, it's just difficult to, you know, imagine a scenario where you're wading through all of that plus doing what everything else we have to do. <laughs> have you? No, that's totally fair. And I mean, that's a great, that's a great lesson for, for younger artists who are thinking I'm going to, I'm going to package and I've done this myself, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, I'm going to package up, you know, a hundred CDs in, in manila envelopes and, you know, send them to labels across the country. It's a good lesson. Yeah. Um, you know, as we're talking about, you know, you're talking a little bit about change. One of the challenges that I've, I mean, it's not really a challenge. It's kind of exciting in a way, but it's also um, a little bit dizzying is, is that the music industry is always changing and it means that formats are changing and distribution channels are changing and marketing tactics are changing. Um, is that, is that something like, do you, do you find that you have to keep up with that? And, and how do you, how do you thrive when, when the, the industry is always evolving and shifting? Well, that's, uh, you know, one you just kind of have to dig in and, and try to keep up as, as best you can. Um, I don't think just music. I think the world is just mm. moving at a furious yeah. pace. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, true. And, and you've got you've to learn to adapt and, and, and be open to that um, change that's present because that's the history of humankind, right? Adapting to change. And so we're no different. Um, I think we try to take the approach of let's test and, you know, see what the results are pretty quickly and then make, um, judgments after that point. Um, you know, we streaming to downloads to, you know, anything that kind of comes along, I think you have to see where it goes before you pass judgment on it, because again, it's just happening at such a furious pace. And, you know, we're interested in, uh, you know, promoting our artists, whatever medium that may be radio mm -hmm. or press or, you know, people listening. And I think all of the changes have been beneficial in one crucial way, which is it's just gotten more people listening to yeah. music, yeah. which is exciting. You know, um, we sat down with Amazon and just talked through some of the stats and things that they had with their service that's tied to their, you know, um, mobile uh, voice activated devices, the echoes and, mm. you know, just really thrilling from the standpoint that look more people are listening to music actively on a daily basis than they were a year ago or two years ago or 10 years yep. ago for sure that's great um, and so i think even though it may represent some operational challenges or organizational challenges i think it's important for us to say hey as a business how do we take advantage of this how do we make the most of it while you know kind of respecting the integrity and the um, uh, you know, intent of the artist um, in, in its original fashion. Hmm. You've been with, you've been general manager for 10 years, so you would have been around for the start of the vinyl you know, resurgence, so to speak. Um, can you take me back to when that first started um, moving the needle for you? Yeah, so Yeprock's interesting that way in that we never stopped making vinyl. Right, <laughs> okay, All cool. Through, um, I mean, from the beginning, um, I think that um, there were a few releases we didn't do vinyl for, but as a rule, we probably made more vinyl during that, what would be considered the fallow period <laughs> of vinyl, than whether it was... Oh, is that just because yeah. of your genre? Genre, and I think we've always kind of been ear to the ground, sort of independent music 
people. I mean, mm. independent stores were selling vinyl, right. you know, during that time. Yep. Maybe it yep. didn't make sense for the folkiest artist or the bluegrass artist in 2006, let's say, but it certainly made sense for low straight jackets or, um, you know, even some of the Nick Lowe reissues. So yep. we never really stopped. Um, I think that it really picked up for us around 2012, 2013. Okay. Where it became not if we were making it, but we were making it for every release because the marketplace is there. Um, and it's just accelerated over the past couple of years. Um, I think there's two factors that kind of have gone into that. One is that with the rise of digital music, um, you really lost some of the oh, tactile kind of um, mm-hmm. parts that, that, that we knew when we were younger, i.e. you pick up the record as you're listening to it, you read the liner notes and that kind of thing. And so I think as digital came, came about, there was a whole new generation of people listening to music digitally only. And we're looking at it in a kind of a faceless, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what is this kind of, kind of, kind of way and looking for something more. So I think that really spurred it. The other thing that I think really kind of got it going was uh, the rise of Record Store Day and oh, the yeah. efforts yeah. of, of um, uh, people in the U.S. primarily, but now starting in other territories to kind of cultivate this idea of, um, and it's always been there, the collectability of it and the importance of that um, physical item and sort of the importance of the store. And so they're going to be celebrating their 10th anniversary this year, but I think they've really done a lot to, um, kind of expand that market. Um, so that's a good point. Yeah. Yep. Rock hasn't, um, like I said, hasn't ever really stopped. Um, that's really cool, but we've sold more for sure over the last couple of years. Yeah. No, I think, and I think you're absolutely right about, um, about the digital aspect and, and it's, it all happened in my opinion, it all happened on a subconscious level where it's just, you know, digital was so convenient and so great. And it was this huge world. And, but all of a sudden you just felt like you were lacking something, (laughs) you know? It's and I think they work. I think they work really well together. That's what I like about vinyl and with digital is that I don't think it's either or. With I think it's a great partnership to when you're on the train or you're on a plane. Um, digital makes a lot of sense, but in your living room, um, in that intimate space, I think uh, I think there's such a great environment for vinyl. Definitely. I love it. What is your, I mean, have over the past 10 years, has your opinion of streaming changed, or I should say over the past, you know, two or two or three years? I think it continues to evolve. Yeah. <laughs> your opinion I mean, does? I, I, I think that um, it, it's definitely valuable. And I think it, it, it certainly has shown through the efforts of Spotify and Apple and to a lesser extent, YouTube and, and mm-hmm. Spotify, kind of what the public actually is interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the sort of on-demand, always available, you know, eat all you can kind of model that Netflix and others have put up have certainly, uh, you know, benefited the active listening of people. Like I said, right? You know, people like my wife who weren't going into to to buy things and. In stores is, is listening to more music, you know, through Pandora or Amazon or Spotify or what have you. Right. Um, so, so I think that's been positive. I think for me, what I kind of go back and forth on, and, and this just could be of when I came of age, it's still trying to put your finger on like how you draw the line between the person in Brazil that streamed your song, you know, a hundred times to the next step you know, mm. going to a show or yeah. buying a physical, you know, t-shirt or record. And um, so that's been an interesting um, challenge. I mean, I, and I think it'll continue to be the one that the industry kind of grapples with is, okay, how do you, how do you market to these people now? How do you, how do you make more out of this yeah. uh, than, than just listening and kind of a passerby um, kind of way? So there's, there's tools and things that are being built that I think will, will help that. But um, it kind of refines my thinking all the time is, is, is how to plug into that. Um, because as a marketer, you know, you want to, you want to think about, you know, how to get to the people 
um, directly. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. I mean, that just kind of got me thinking like, you know, there's probably people out there um, anywhere in the world who will, who will listen to a playlist every night when they go to sleep and will hear a song every night of the year, but won't know who that artist is. And that's, I mean, it's interesting. And in a way that artist is getting paid every night, but it also has a con to it. <laughs> Yeah, that's well, really interesting. And, and I think it's it's just how do you draw that line? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you them out of the the playlist and into other elements that maybe have a higher return, let's say, or or more engagement right. than just hey, I just listened to a hundred songs that are you know all themed around whatever working out or um whatever top playlist there are. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, you know, I I won't take much more of your time, but. Um, what when you're running the label, what's something you really enjoy doing? What's something that you're really good at? I know that it, as general manager, you probably, you know, make coffee as well and <laughs> sweep up every now and then. But fix leaks, yeah, yeah. Do a little bit of all of it. <laughs> um, what do I really enjoy? I, you know, I love seeing things come into um, being. I love sitting down with a blank sheet of paper and kind of conceptualizing something that doesn't um, exist, whether it's a campaign or a particular way to go about something or even just a, you know, um, a, a marketing idea, let's say, and and working at that over a period of time with the artist to, you know, develop that into um, actually, um, you know, coming to life. Um, I, I, I enjoy both the unknowns of it, sort of, you know, where, where is this going to go? Um, and I also enjoy the challenge of that because um, I think it sort of, like I said at the beginning, kind of taps into both sides of my brain, the sort of, you know, very creative side and, and the more practical, pragmatic, um, you know, business-minded side. Yeah, yeah. You said, um, here's another thing. You said before, and something I read, that, um, the hardest thing you have to do running a record label is to say no. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. Um, you know, an artist comes to you and says, we can go tour uh, Russia, Croatia, uh, Scandinavia, and, you know, Germany <laughs> um, three months from now. Uh, it's going to cost us let's say the artist really wants to do it and there's compelling reasons and you know um it could be opening a new market and you know all the positive things that come with that looking at the financial thing it maybe it doesn't make sense you know and having to say hey i don't i don't think that this is what we want to do at this moment um so you know it could be the big things like that um down to town to the small ones. Um, do we want to release, you know, another single? Do we want to go to radio? Those types of things where um, people always want to believe, um, you know, that something's going to happen or this is going to be the thing. But sometimes you have to, you know, put your 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 kind of business cap on and say, okay, what's the likelihood? What's the um, uh, what's the what's the reality here? Right. Um, and, and that happens with releases as well. You know, there's a couple of times where there's artists we love. I mean, we just absolutely love and would love to do a record, but you know, financially it just doesn't make sense right. um, for a business. And so having to tell, you know, an artist that maybe you idolized or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, yeah. you respect for musically and, and, you know, that's hard, you know, but, but as a business, sometimes you got to, do that and you know we we like to say or we throw around sometimes sometimes it's great to just be a fan you know yeah. and not, not have to deal with yeah. some of that um so it, it 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 can it can be hard but it's it's an important skill um not just in music but in you know other aspects of of business yeah well and i, I was really curious about you know your thoughts on on saying no because really it is every artist is an entrepreneur and so they have their own ideas and their own things that they wake up in the middle of the night excited about. But, right. Or their own or their own agendas. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They they might have a reason they want to tour Russia and Croatia and wherever else. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't fit what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. 
Um, let me ask you about the future, the future of, of Yep Rock, the future of vinyl, the future of streaming, the future of the whole industry. What are you hopeful for? What are you excited about? Where do you think um, it's going? Yeah, I mean, I'm still excited about um, coming to work every day and seeing what is around the corner, um, which I think can apply to any of those. Um, you know, we're fortunate we work with some really talented people that I think still have their best work ahead of them. Mm. Um, sure. And so I'm excited to see what that holds. Um, we just had a conversation with an artist today who's about to um, start recording his new record. And, you know, I, I got really um, excited thinking about how that was going to turn out. So musically, that that that's something that, that, that I look for. That's great. Um, Vinyl, uh, you know, I, I think you'll see a leveling off here before too long. Right. I know everybody talks about it as a bubble, but again, the practical, pragmatic side of me knows that all those people that are in their 20s buying vinyl now as collectible pieces are going to be getting married and getting apartments mm -hmm. and having kids. And, you know, um, once you move around a few thousand records a couple of times, um, you know, you, you start looking at other right. <laughs> start looking at other options just because physically it becomes a, a, a you know, a, a problem. And, and that comes from somebody who, you know, has been a lifelong collector and has had to move lots of things. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can see over the horizon for them. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but my, but my hope is the same is that it continues to be a viable um, format because it is from a quality standpoint, it's, it's a very um, engaged listening you know you have to get up and mm -hmm. flip the record oh, over. Totally. you have to open the record and pull it out you know it's almost like the slow food movement it's sort of right. the, <laughs> the slow music you know, yeah. how, how can you savor this yeah so i'm hopeful that that continues to be um uh you know something that 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 really um people people in, in, engage with um and, you know as far as streaming and 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 digital and and all of these things i mean Streaming to me kind of represents the the endpoint, so to speak, right? I mean, there's not another format that's out there beyond it. Um, mm. There may be variations on it, but it's not like, you know, unless they're talking about implanting something in our head or yeah. something. You know, <laughs> you can't get any more instant or, uh, you know, right. unlimited sort of access mm -hmm. than, than we have now. So I think my hope for that is just you know, further, you know, penetration into it's a part of, of the marketplace. It's a part of people's lives. It's, you know, they, they listen to more music and find new and interesting ways, um, to use it. Mm. Um, I, I just think it, it'll be interesting, you know, just given the pace that the technology's changed over the last couple of years to see where we are in another couple and, and consolidation that may, you know, happen in the marketplace. I mean, I, I I don't think it's any secret that there's a couple of companies out there that, you know, likely will either be bought or sold or merged or what have you in a right. few yeah. in a few years. So um I think that that can have be good and bad. So I'm interested to see how that all turns out. Um so yeah, I mean th those are all the things I'm I'm looking forward to. <laughs> well, that's cool. Well, listen, Billy, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you for being so transparent about um, your thoughts on on the business and music and, and Yep Rock. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. I appreciate you uh, giving us the opportunity to, to come on and, and talk today. You can follow Yep Rock on Twitter at Yep Rock, and that's spelled Y-E-P-R-O-C, and their website is yeprock.com. Uh, thanks so much to Billy for, for doing this. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, please check out Yep Rock. Uh, they've actually, by the time that, that this has uh, gone out, um, they've had some incredible releases this year. They're very busy. So make sure you check them out. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Other Songs. And please share the podcast with people that you think might enjoy it. Um, and do subscribe. Thanks for listening. <laughs>